Graphic design? Can you make a living at that? Three, two, one, fun, 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 Welcome to Design Futures, a show about what happens after design school. I'm Chris St. Cyr, and my guest on this episode is Christy Malavindi. It's so good to see you. Christy is a creative director at Jones Knowles Ritchie, where she designs for global clients such as Burger King, M&M's, and Coca-Cola. Previously, she has worked for VSA Partners in Chicago, Kate Spade Saturday, and Two Communique. She is a 2000 graduate of Massachusetts College of Art and Design. And things have changed since then. When we were at Mass Art, as it's mm. known, it was just Massachusetts College of Art. Somehow they added design, even though we were studying design. Back we were then. doing it. It was there. Yeah. It was there. Yeah. They just wasn't in the name. Yeah. There is a lot to talk about because you've been out of school a while. I've been teaching a while, pretty much the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. I started teaching grad school. When you were an undergrad, I was a grad student. That's, of course, how we met. Yeah, that's how we met. You were my teacher for like a minute. I was, yeah, I was trying to remember. uh, Was it just for that one day in that one class? I think it was, yeah. I was covering for Dushan in a web design class. Dushan, that's what it was. Yep. But you're not doing web design, though, these days, right? Mm -hmm. No. So let's let's talk about this, this job, this, like, you're a creative director. I want to hear about where you are now and mm-hmm. London, because you are in London. If it counts though, it's still English speaking and I'm definitely yeah. just American and I work <laughs> at global brands. So it's not really exotic, but. Well, it sounds cool. Really, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look at it this way because, you know, there's a lot of current college students and mm-hmm. some maybe high school students, you know, and they're like wondering like, where can I go with this career? Like, well, you could go to London or Paris or Shanghai or whatever. Well, first of all, the fact that you can work remotely for so many people, you could literally go anywhere. But then second of all, definitely it's a career where you can, it it translates globally. There's always cultural nuance. Yeah. There's some upsides to being a graphic designer. In your role now as a creative director, what's it like being a creative director? Are you just like directing people and projects all day long? Do you actually get to design anything anymore? Oh, I don't design anything. No, 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 no. <laughs> you just tell no. people what to design. I do. And I know, but that's the thing is I actually, I don't tell people what to design. No. Yeah, right. I just look at what they're designing and help them identify what's working and help to steer them. I mean, that is the best case scenario. My job is going really well. It's not that it means I don't have anything to do, right. but- Definitely the philosophy, the way we work. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate where I am. Everyone I work with is so insanely talented. And new generations of talent coming in and the new designers, they're way better than I ever was. <laughs> and I've definitely always gone with the philosophy that like work with people and hire people that are better than you. Yeah. And oh, yeah. my job is really just to kind of mentor, reassure folks when things aren't going so well, come up with a plan of how we move forward, to be a cheerleader. Yeah, to have those relationships with clients and kind of the high-level clients. And right. Definitely. So you're looking at the big picture and making sure all the pieces are keep keep moving forward kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And really like helping to teach people because, I mean, as you know, as a design student coming out of, actually, this is a great segue to Kelly. <laughs> when you're a student, you learn 
or we did the fundamentals of design. So like visual problem solving, mm -hmm. research, concepting, ideation, craft, you do all that. But then as soon as you get out into the world, you start working. It's <laughs> like, I know nothing because there's business and, you know, organization and file servers and the legal aspect and politics and billing yeah. and just being a professional human. Well, I'm just going to, you know, go back to something you did say that will just, yep. you know, I just have to say, you know, to the audience, you talked about the talent that the younger talent that you're working with now, let me just mm. pause and say, and I know Kelly would agree when Christy was coming right out of school, we would have said the same damn no. thing about her. She's insanely talented same can be said for you. So oh, don't say yourself you. short. And so all those young designers that you know work around you, they should know that too. You put in your time being a Definitely. super day-to-day -day talented designer and worked your way up. But like the working my way up and, and even you asking like, oh, you're a creative director. You don't even get to design anything anymore. I didn't aspire to be a creative director. <laughs> and actually for a very long time, I was a design director for a big chunk of time. I just recently got the promotion to creative director last year. So yeah. still new. Oh, okay. uh, I was really content being a design director because it put me in a place where it was the balance of still a little bit hands-on with the work. I think um, there's that linear path and that kind of mentality and philosophy that you should always be like, better, more, more, better, right. more power, more money, promotions. What's next? What's new? But it's not that I don't have ambition, but I I, I don't know. I do design because I genuinely love it. And there's always challenges. There's always something new because even if you've done a project like it before, you've never done that project with those clients. Oh, yeah. There's always variables. There's different people you're working with. So there's plenty to keep learning and kind of growing. So I was, yeah, having a great time as a design director for a long time. And yeah. I think um, coming to realize and like, oh, wait a minute, I think it's time for me to step up and I do want to step up. And I mean, it's taken me 23 years to have the confidence to recognize that, oh wait, I am capable of doing that job. It sounds yeah. massively intimidating, but to finally be like, wait a minute, I am good at what I do. As a, I, I think I got to a point as a design director where I literally, when I interviewed for my promotion, I said to my boss, I'm a really good design director. That's not something that in the past that I would ever feel comfortable saying about myself. I definitely mm -hmm. suffer from imposter syndrome, like right. I think 90% of the design industry. But I finally got to a point where I was like, I know how to do this. Right. What's next? And like, I don't quite know how to do that thing of being a creative director. And the right. learning curve is steep. But yeah, it's just up for something new. And how's it going so far? It's great. Things you, things you like, things you don't like. Oh, no, I love it. I don't think there's anything I don't like. <laughs> That's good. Anything I don't like. So where where you are now at Jones Knowles Richie? What where did you when did you come in? Like what level did you come in? Not as a creative director. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I came in as a design director, but in New York. But in New York, eight or nine years ago now. Yeah. So I started in New York as a design director, worked there for about two and a half, three years, left there, and just freelanced for a year during which time I decided, oh, I'm going to move to London. And so I was sure. interviewing for jobs in London because I needed somebody to sponsor me. There's so many upsides to freelance. It's a wonderful, it's another privilege that we have, I think, as designers that the industry allows for that. So 
great way to meet new people and learn new ways of working and just get insights into all sorts of different types of projects, types of clients, all of that. But I'm also the kind of person that like, I just want to have a home. I want the comfort of this is my team, developing those relationships, knowing where my place is. And I interviewed with lots and lots of people. And then at the end of the day, I actually just called up my old boss and I was like, I know I left, but would it be weird? <laughs> would you hire me to just work in London? Like, can I just come back? Yeah, yeah sure. Of course. That, that worked, worked out. out. Yeah. You mentioned sponsorship. Mm-hmm. I've, I've interviewed former students that the other way, right? They need sponsorship in the U.S. What's it like from mm-hmm. your end being an American going abroad to have sponsorship there? Is it is it any different? It's a challenge? I don't think it's any different at all. No, no, no. no I don't think it is. JKR is a big enough company that like we've got, you know, a people whose job it is to like figure out all the paperwork. We've got folks from all over the globe in all of the different studios. So the company's really used to having visa conversations. I imagine it was maybe a little easier in your case, because a lot of that decision-making is, uh, right, you're hiring somebody new, but they need sponsorship, like, yeah. but you're you're a known entity. You you had already worked for the company, so they kind of knew what you were like and that you would probably at least stay for a few years, right? If they invest oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. those resources into, into the sponsorship, yeah. Uh, we were talking about your, like when you started there, what's hmm. like what's next if you were to continue? Who do you report to? And what's like a path forward if you were to oh. want to go higher? What what are those levels like? I don't want to go higher. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> no, no. Um, and I've got way too much to learn, but- yeah. I report to the executive creative director, who is Sean Thomas, who is wonderful. He's wonderful, so talented, and just such a great human. Um, so he's the ECD of London. Okay. And then there's a couple of levels above him. So then we have um, Lisa in New York, who has a new title, and I should know what it is. But she's like <laughs> global. Yeah, something with global executive in the title. creative director. Yeah. And then above her is Tosh. I should have done my homework and checked what everyone's title is. I don't know, CCO maybe? Yeah, so there's there's a few other positions above you if you were wanted to like keep going. Yeah. yeah. At your level, what's the kind of salary or what, what salary changes have you experienced? It is so different in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like having gone from the US to the UK, the, the exact same job at the exact same company. I took what felt like a very large pay cut. Yeah. But the cost of living here is so different. Right. That's what um, I I guess the range in the UK for creative director, like 80 to 95, 100. You know, there's many factors. I think that's so many factors. And, and that's what, you know, I want, you know, people to understand is, you know, when, when you're looking at a career in graphic design, it's like, some people think, you know, I, I remember thinking this and I still have students like, oh, graphic design, it's, it's a pathway to <laughs> being rich and famous. Fame and fortune. So, yeah. 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 Well, no, but, you know, you can make a good living at it. And there's lots of factors into salary and position and job. And like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not only about the, that salary, too. It's like, where do you want to live and what is your quality yeah. of life and yeah. what projects do you want to work on, you know? But I appreciate you sharing that. It's helpful to hmm. a lot of students. You know, you you talked about some of the big, uh, or I mentioned some of the big companies you've worked mm-hmm. with clients. So I want to take a yeah. look at some of those. 
So here, here we are, Burger King. What did you do for this? This is so fun. I got it. So this is uh, an initiative is called the Burger King Meltdown. This happened definitely before the new identity rolled out. It was while the new identity was in progress, which is why it looks like the old one because it is. Uh, But this was for specifically for the UK market, working with the local market on it. They came to us and said, uh, we want to do a kid's meal without the plastic toys. So can you design what that would look like? Again, I will not take credit for the big idea here. It was, uh, I was a design director on this project. Uh, My creative director at the time and one of our other friends were out at the pub and talking about the brief and just started riffing. And they were like, that's actually pretty epic and a big shift and a big move for a company like Burger King to take the plastic out of the kids' meals. And they're both parents, the two of them. Mm -hmm. So they were talking like, is it, it's just so annoying the amount of plastic crap that your kids yeah. amass and yes. all of this stuff. This could be a much bigger story um, and a much bigger initiative. And what if Burger King didn't just remove the plastic, but what if they did an amnesty and everyone could bring all of the, like, mm-hmm. you know, your car full of plastic toys and crap, all that like single use plastic junk. What if Burger King did an amnesty, take it all back, and then you could melt it down and turn it into something that has, you know, a second life? They came back into the office the next day, told me the idea, told myself and a couple other people the idea. And we were all just like, oh yeah, that's good. We put together a little pitch film that had no creative design in it. It was just found footage, a little bit of copy. So working with copywriters, working with someone in motion to just sell the idea of the single use plastic stuff is just annoying and obviously hurting the planet. Yeah, Let's make this a big initiative do this amnesty and turn it into something really powerful. And the clients were just like, we love it. Let's do it. Go. Yeah. Let's take a look at it. See if it- yeah. Wait, did that just say... Dramatic music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we came up with the name pretty quickly, the, the meltdown. And then I worked with the team to, I came up with the idea of the characters and I was like, I know we need a little big bunny and a little car and a wind up dinosaur toy. And definitely like some kind of robot. We worked with a, um, a character designer out of Mexico. That is a beep beep. Mr. Hugglesworth and Rory. <laughs> they all have names. They do have names. Mm-hmm. And then one of my favorite things in the entire world, actually, if you go back an image, the gigantic sculpture of Beep Beep. Yeah. I literally, I went into the client and I was like, we need to create a humongous sculpture <laughs> of them. We, I want huge ones. And they were like, yeah, okay, let's figure it out. So <laughs> cool. We got to make her out of, uh, you know, recycled material yeah. that was then 
it was only um up on the on the banks in London for I think three days, yeah. and then it got taken down and recycled. So they melted down to make other things. Is that like yeah, this, yeah. this photo is? So admittedly, this image was the uh, the ideal. Uh, we were in talks with all sorts of different companies that were would do the recycling of the plastic and like what the capabilities were for what we could make. That's so fun. <laughs> and another one, we were talking about this last time we talked, M&Ms, <laughs> lots of M&Ms. Do you have free, like, do you have a giant bowl of M&Ms in your office? Or just like eating M&Ms all day long? No, it's really for the best that we don't. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. So what, what, yeah. what are you working on with uh, M&Ms? This is a full redesign of the brand. It took probably two years, start to finish. JK Ayers worked with M&Ms for like 20 years. So many, many people before me have touched this brand and developed things for this brand. I was really lucky to get to work on this. And it was basically, M&Ms is such an amazing American and global iconic brand. But what you picture in your head when you close your eyes and then what existed in the world two very different things. Mm -hmm. We worked for a long, long time to sell this into the client as a project that we felt was really important to do to fundamentally pencils down, look at the brand assets and the core brand identity as a big initiative. We've constantly been working on M&Ms. And even as we were doing this, uh, this project, there were still other briefs that we were working on at the same time because mm -hmm. a brand of this scale, it never stops. It never sleeps. It can never just like, <laughs> you know, hit yeah. pause and like, we'll, we'll see you in a year and a half. There's always needs for, uh, you know, new products, new packaging, new initiatives. Oh, it's video. It's definitely fun. <laughs> well, thank you. So yeah, we um, created a custom typeface, uh, working with the folks at Monotype. We cleaned up the logo slightly, didn't make any massive changes, but then created a whole suite of supporting assets. So this we call the continuum. There's the M icon, which is just the graphic circle with the M in it. I mean, the formula is get to the simplest, most iconic graphic representation. You get to something really simple, then you can start to really play with them, how they come to life, how they interact with each other. The M icon, our ampersand, mm -hmm. uh, the product itself, we modeled, we created new 3D models of the, the products so that then you can start to animate them and create mm -hmm. new kind of static visuals. The design idea that we came up with that we were working towards was M&M and knowing that the, the Mars company was uh, definitely shifting to make sure that every single one of their brands has like a higher purpose meaning beyond just their product. I guess even if it is performative, it's still 
a good thing to be doing to have a higher purpose and to contribute to the world in a positive way, which M&Ms is putting their money where their mouth is. So they have all sorts of initiatives. They, they have a new, our newly articulated purpose, which is to create a world where everyone feels they belong, which is a very high level kind of lofty um, idea. And so as designers, that's kind of an impossible thing to design to create a world where it feels like they belong, go like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we came up with a design idea, which was M&M and, which was just about the additive kind of principle of one plus one equals three. And the fact that it's true to the brand. So like the heart of the brand, there's an ampersand in the middle of the logo. M&M's is all about Mars and Murray are the two guys, like two people came together to make the brand. Mm-hmm. When you open up a bag of M&M's, there's tons of them in there. You never eat one. You always like pour them out to share. <laughs> The bag is full of all different colors. The product comes in all different shapes and sizes and flavors. So it's just kind of like a celebration of like inclusivity and diversity is like built into the brand. Yeah, that's the story that we tried to tell with all of our assets. Do you know all the different versions here? These different yeah, that's sheets? almond and crispy and chocolate and mini and peanut and caramel. It's yeah. like actually, I think nine shapes. It's a little intense. Oh, wow. An individual um, M&M is called a lentil. What? Fun fact. Yeah. A lentil. Mm-hmm. Tuck that one away for trivia night. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. not know that. So this is the before. I think this helps. Uh-huh. Close your eyes to picture M&Ms. And what I pictured was very much more like what we've created. Um, uh-huh. But this was how the brand existed in the world. So this is no. the before. And then no. if you go, the next page should be like, this yeah. is what M&Ms should look like in the world. So with, with something like this, you talk about, the, like, for instance, the illustration, is mm-hmm. that done in-house because you're so big? Or are you working with an illustrator outside of? Uh, no, we worked with um, external illustrators. Yeah. It, it depends. Some some projects we have internal. We definitely have folks um, internally who, uh, yeah. who have incredible skills. So it just depends on the project. So you mentioned this is a typeface. Yeah. And there's some other ones. Uh, look yeah. at some other projects. So are you always working with? Uh, people outside to design those typefaces? Yeah, actually for typefaces specifically, we tend to work with external partners, but that's not to say that uh, we actually have, like, he is a legend, Bob, Bob Seelys. He's been with JKR since the very, very, very beginning. And he is an expert craftsman, impeccable type. And actually it's awesome. Anybody who joins JKR, when you start, you have time set with Bob and you do check-ins with Bob and everybody creates their own typeface and oh. he like mentors and guides them. Fun. Um, so actually we've, uh, we have so many designers who have created their own typefaces and actually we're working on now with JKR creating a platform to actually make those typefaces lic- licensable. Yeah. Um, Great. So they'll start to see more coming out of, out of JKR in that respect. This is the last one. Yeah, you have to explain that because it's a bunch of X's and a no. What is it? Yeah, that? you're like, is this type? Is it is type defaulting? That is a logo. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's for Kate Spade Saturday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all sad. Yeah. Saturday is the best day of the week. There we go. There's some type. You can read that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Kate Spade Saturday. So this was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had in my whole life. It was my dream job. It was in-house in New York. Kate Spade Saturday was a sadly short-lived uh, fashion and lifestyle brand started by the folks at Kate Spade, New York. I joined the team probably about 
six months before the brand actually launched. And then I was the last one out the door. We got shut down by the board of directors. So we were a really small team and did physically everything. It was a 360 branding dream. At times there were two of us. (laughs) And I think at (laughs) most in the like design department, there were maybe five or six Mm -hmm. pop-up experiences, physical stores, products, branding, packaging, website, emails, you name it, we did it. And that's actually my old boss, Teresa. She's a legend. Yeah, so it was just so fun. I mean, it was a brand that I connected with. It was built for me, basically, at the time. <laughs> um, and I still am actually surrounded by that stuff. Oh, I've yeah. a lot of those bowls and dishes that were in the packaging. And, and so, yeah, this is an awesome opportunity to do a whole bunch of things I'd never done before. Or like things that I've done some, like bits and pieces of. Yeah, this was, oh, this was actually our last campaign. This was our last season, spring 2015. And that was uh, your your New York days, is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So that's back in New York, and these were the going out of business uh, emails that I was nominated to create. So we got oh. shut down, and then HR said, "You get to stay. Your job is not ending yet. Someone <laughs> needs to make all the signage and emails to liquidate all of the product that's left." So oh. it was a surreal time. How fitting! It's the last slide. So. There you go. End of the visuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot of amazing work, Christy. Sure, thank you. You sent me some notes, and since uh, we just ended with sort of New York job, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things you you wrote about that was learn that people are more important than the work. Though the work needs to be top notch as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's from New York. Yeah. And you also said that, that London is better for your health. Like New, the New York hustle is not, not good. Right. So is that how you felt like after your, sort of your, at the end of your New York days, you were just kind of like burnt out and needed change or. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Um, and I mean, God, I'm happy to admit that I work too much. I still work too much. It seems to be ingrained. I learned it from my parents, my parents' generation, you work hard nose to the grindstone. And that's like, the purpose of life. And I think younger generations uh, have a much more balanced and healthy kind of approach to the world. It's the thing that I can intellectualize it and see it and know that this is not how I want my life to, to work, but it's just one of those things that I'm in my comfort when I'm just working. Yeah. Which is not healthy, which is not healthy at all. Yeah. And I, I would imagine actually just even globally, through COVID, I know that everybody's uh, priorities have shifted in a healthy way to living your life and uh, spending time with your loved ones and not working all the time is really important. And you feel like in in London that that's a truer uh, just, just overall vibe that people have and, and way of yeah. life. Yeah. I had come over and worked at the, um, the London office of JKR for a week um, when I was still a design director in New York. We got a, a a really cool project in in the New York office um, that I was meant to lead, and I was like, "This is great!" But I at the time didn't have any available designers that were able to work on it. I was like, "Guys, nobody here has time to do this." And um, one of the creative directors in London said, "Oh, it's not a problem. I'm going on holiday. I can free up my whole team. Why don't you just go over to London and you can work with my team and work on the project?" So I did because. Uh, of course, you know, <laughs> yeah. get to experience a different country. I'd never been to London before. 
and definitely the approach to work and like the mindset, the lifestyle, everybody works really hard and are, it's just as talented, but at six o'clock, yeah. you go to the pub. You go to the pub. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I've experienced that when I've been to London. I love your story about like, yeah, you're just out of the pub and then, but you solved the creative problem or you started to solve the creative problem just because you yeah. were relaxed. Right. And you were just yeah. hanging out and yeah, yeah. there was no pressure. Right. Yeah. yeah, having some space to kind of like think. Right. It's really important to go out in the world and just see what's out there, like visual stimulus and input and, yeah. you know, rich culture. And yeah, London's just a really great city. I, yeah. I think it has like all the things I liked about New York with none of the things I hated. <laughs> yeah. Except for bagels. Bagels don't exist here. And yeah, you know. but you've lived in all kinds of major cities. And before New York, there was Chicago. I mean, talking mm -hmm. about food, you know, you got to get a Chicago yeah. dog when you're in Chicago. And you worked there again. Mm -hmm. What was the company again? That was VSA Partners. VSA Partners. And your note here says, I was such an entitled brat. Oh, I was. <laughs> in your mm -hmm. Chicago days? What, what do you mm -hmm. mean by that? I mean, even when I worked for Kelly, I just like looking back at like my young self. It's just like, my values were maybe not where they should be. I mean, it was just working too much, but you just don't have the perspective to understand like the business implications. I just think back to some of my behaviors about things that I got upset about. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, right. Oh, you want me to move where I'm sitting? No, I don't want to move where I'm sitting. I don't want to work with that person. I like where I am right now. Like, yeah. oh, come on. Oh, there's some things I'm really not proud of. Chicago um, is fun. That was, that was gorgeous uh, we, and did, great. we did visit you. And I babysat your oldest yep, we child. Our, and it our was first the first child. time that I was in charge of a baby. I think I just told you guys that a few weeks yeah. ago. I think you were you were definitely more nervous than Kelly and I being new parents, leaving our child because we were going to some business meeting, some design yeah, meeting. Yeah. <laughs> he survived. He's he's all good. Yeah. No, nothing nothing traumatic happened there. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, Chicago is, is a great city. But the, like where we first met, though, if we go all the way back, at least as far as working, you, you worked mm -hmm. with Kelly at Kelly Design before it kind of transitioned into Two Communique. And I love your note because I could write the same thing about my first, like one of my first jobs out of school. Yeah. You said, all the anecdotes I can think of are all the times I made mistakes. <laughs> yeah. oh, man, I made so many mistakes. Kelly was so patient and forgiving of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any mistakes you want to share here? <laughs> Anything that's not too embarrassing? I mean, it's all embarrassing, but <laughs> through it. this is the worst one. The one that's like really bad. <laughs> the one that's really bad. Kelly was so patient. Okay. So we used to design for magazines and there were ways of setting up the files so that every article was its own file. And then you had, you know, it was really important your um, presets. So like your, your settings for like type styles and colors and like font sizes, everything was all figured out. That's how you make sure you make a cohesive magazine. And I was inputting a uh, copy into all these files. And every time I was copying and pasting in, it kept trying to insert all sorts of new type styles into the, 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 the dropdown. And I was getting really irritated and it wasn't going away. <laughs> so I started naming them expletives, uh. <laughs> thinking that like, I'll delete them out because you had to import it and then I'd go back and delete it. So I just yeah. started 
typing in offensive things. I was getting so mad. I totally <laughs> forgot about it. And then when it was time to actually launch that issue, Kelly goes into the client's office and sits down and copies the files onto their computer. And when she was checking them, she was just like, what are all of these type styles that yeah. are really inappropriately named? That is not professional. You can't do that. And she came back to the office. She's like, Christy, we have to talk. Um, what happened? And right. uh, never, ever make that mistake again. No, who would make that? Those stupid some mistakes you only make once. <laughs> we we met at MassArt. How teacher, did we actually but... meet? Was it just because we were both about the like? Well, design? we were both around because yeah. I was a grad student and you were undergrad yeah. and I probably visited classes or sat in yeah. on critiques. So I did do reviews. Was there just senior reviews or junior reviews? So I probably would have reviewed some of your work at that right. point because they asked the grad students to kind of look at those kind of things probably saw portfolios towards the end of yeah. uh yeah. senior year things like that but yeah there's yeah. just that one class interaction uh yeah. i mean mass art was a fun place to oh. just hang out oh. and right you know and just yeah. like talk about art and design and and yeah. be in that culture so but i did want to ask you you're so you're from massachusetts is that right mm -hmm. so did you just know about mass art growing up or no. how did you find no, how did you decide to go there and Again, the like bratty entitled youth that I was. <laughs> I I guess I did know of Mass Art because I knew people who were a year or two above me who had gone there. Yeah. And it took me a couple of years working on my parents to get them to um to agree that I was going to apply to art schools. And oh, yeah. I mean, actually, they were very supportive of me applying to art schools, definitely. But it was always like, of course you can apply to art schools, but you should also apply to liberal art schools because <laughs> you might want to get a more rounded education. I was like, yeah, sure, of course, of course, of course. And just, you know, over time, just whittled it down to like, yeah. you know what, I'm going to go to art school. So like, let's save the time. So I applied to all the art schools. So it's like Pratt and RISD and Mass Arts and the Art Institute of Chicago, actually, those four, I think. Okay. And I loved Chicago. I wanted to go to the Art Institute of Chicago. That was my plan. It oh. all basically came down to you. My parents said like, you can go to Art Institute of Chicago if you want to. Um, we can afford this much money, which won't cover all of it. So you can take out loans and, you know, we can, we'll support you and make that work. And I was like, yeah, okay. And they said, you know, or you could go to Mass Art, which is a state school, and then we can pay for all of it and you won't owe anything. And I said, yep, that one, let's do that. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, that that one's unique. Yeah, I mean, Mass Art, it's a deal, right? I mean, if you're in-state, even before we were there, it was a pretty decent art and design school. And yeah. Really, it's definitely gotten bigger, right? There's more buildings now, and mm -hmm. uh, the quality's probably uh, improved. Yeah, for the price uh, and for the education, the quality, the faculty that were there, I felt mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it was totally a deal. Oh, it was totally um, a deal. Yeah, the, I mean... The education that I got was top notch yeah. and we worked our butts off. So at Mass Art, it sounds like you had a good experience. Are there things that stand out, faculty or classes or relationships you made, you know, students or what do, what do you remember about that time? I mean, friends that I made there that are still like some of my closest people. Definitely. Oh, really? Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Oh, it makes me nostalgic. I'm so old, Chris. You've gotten so old. <laughs> You're not so, so old. You do you do have some little gray hairs there. I got a lot more, I, but I have lots. <laughs> yeah, my stripes. Oh my god, it was just so great. It was such a great time of yeah. being surrounded by, you know, everyone was just so young and full of energy, but like super creative and engaged. You were just always like experimenting and learning and having the, it's just such a luxury to be able to kind of like sit around and talk about design philosophy. And like, we'd sit around in the studios and just like hang out and chat and like, look at each other's work. I, you know, would go and sit for Justin, who was an illustrator. So he could draw me. And so he'd be drawing me and I'd be sitting there reading uh, art history. The fact that it, you could be so consumed by it, um, mm. just kind of like revel in it and I mean, at that age, every single class, every single lesson or whatever is like so brand new, just right. learning the fundamentals. I still remember my my type class, learning about kerning and tracking and rags. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they teach that because I find oh, myself yeah. explaining to people about rags <laughs> and M dashes and N dashes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, getting the, these dream projects that like when you get out into the world, it's not, it's not, it's very rare to have someone come to you and say like, can you, you know, come up with uh, some piece of technology that you wish that you existed and concept it and then design it and name it, you know, the kind of projects yeah. you do as a student are just like ridiculously fun. I mean, I vaguely remember your, I think it was your thesis. I don't know what we call it, thesis or capstone project. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You, it was a book. It was about fashion, right? Yeah. And, and you designed Alexi something. Alexi oh, Okay. And then you made it. Did you make a skirt or a dress yeah. or something? It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I know. I'm going to study Alexi Bradovich and Harper's Bazaar. He basically brought modern design to uh, the masses and to the United States through that publication and just like the typography and the negative space and working with the Eameses and Richard Avedon and just like bringing all these incredibly talented people and getting them in everyone's homes. So I studied that. And then, yeah, I was like, I know I'm gonna, I made a dress that was 1960s style and then did overskirts that were taffeta or something ridiculous. Yeah. They were very, and I still screened the uh, pieces of the, images of the magazine mm. onto different layers so you could recreate spreads. I don't entirely, in retrospect, know exactly what I was getting at with that. But <laughs> but it looked cool. It was fun to do. It looked cool. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a little support uh, from home and art school. Oh, I definitely so were that. you, you know, like all this stuff we've been talking about, were you, were you that kind of kid too? Were you like making stuff, you know, painting and drawing and you know, making oh, yeah. a mess in your, in your bedroom somewhere. Always, yeah. always like craft projects and yeah, drawing and painting. And I was, you know, a real nerd in school. <laughs> I was a really good student. So I got straight A's always. I It's because I'm really good at following rules. <laughs> uh, that's good for a designer most of the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I like puzzles and I like to like make things just right. I was a really good student. But the stuff that I really loved doing was just making stuff. Basically, the deal that I had with my parents, my parents, um, super supportive of both my sister and I, you know, came from a generation where neither of my parents went to college. That time, that wasn't a thing. So 
they were adamant and worked their tails off to give my sister and I the opportunity and to be able to like financially send us to college. Growing up, I just knew like the most important thing was for me to go to college. You know, even from a young age, the talks that my dad would have with us about like, put in the time now, work hard so that you have all the opportunities in the world as you grow up and go out into the world. And you need to get your college diploma in order to be able to go out into the world in the workforce and, and get a job and have a career. I definitely got pushback from people. A lot of teachers gave me a lot of uh, a hard time about going to art school because I was such a good student. And they were like, you could go to a good school. You could go to like a smart person school. <laughs> a smart person school. Oh, yeah. So did did you excel in some, like math or science or something that people thought you, that these teachers thought you were going to go study that or? I don't know what they thought I was going to study. Yeah. I really liked geometry. I was good in English. So I definitely got a lot of attitude from a lot of, you know, elders that I was slacking um, by going to art school. Yeah, but like th this is the story that we want to hear, though. It's like being a really good designer, you have to be really good at a lot of other things. You yeah. can study graphic design, you should, right? But, yeah. you know, you got to go learn about all these products and services that you're designing for, right? So you got to... Yeah, you have to be like really good at research and processing information. And so much of what I do is taking massive amounts of information yeah. and figuring out how to condense it down to something that's really simple communication presenting that is one of the biggest parts of my job is basically selling the work yeah just explaining all the thinking because yeah we're not artists it's not like right. the decisions that you make are not based on a whim or like a it shouldn't be subjective there's a piece of it that is the magic is the art part and I tell people that I'm a professional snob <laughs> and I've been training for that my entire life and it's just getting worse and worse as I get older which is true but it's it's having the, the eye and the vision and the taste level. But mm -hmm. then if you're not grounded in business and reality and storytelling and human connection and brand truths, if you aren't strategic about it, then you're not doing your job as a designer. It's a proper career. <laughs> it's a, absolutely proper career. There's a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of history, a lot of good points. Yes. You talked a little bit about London and sort of the lifestyle there is yeah. not what it is in New York. Yeah. I mean, you admittedly said you work hard. What do you do to not work hard? What do you do to <laughs> relax? Like you, we got on and you said you're going to go out to the pub and meet some friends. Mm -hmm. That sounds nice and relaxing and fun. It's not the normal for me on a Friday night. It's really, no? we've got folks <laughs> staying with us. So what no. else do you do to, to relax then? I, I've made that room behind me that is super dark. Those yeah. are pocket doors that can close. So it turns into like a little cave. I nap a lot. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh -huh. I absolutely agree with naps. Yep. Yep. I nap. That makes me very happy. I will chill and do crossword puzzles and hang out with my kitty cat. That's very calming for me. Now that, you know, the world has opened back up and travel is back. That has been epic and awesome because the fact that I live within a couple hours flight of a bunch of different countries. Right. Where have you been there? Well, we just went on a proper holiday and went to Tuscany, which <laughs> please do that if you can. Rented yeah. a villa with some friends in the Italian countryside. 
Holy nice. hell, that's where I need to live. Um, but <laughs> that's taken, retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've taken weekend trips to like Barcelona and Copenhagen, and um, I've had like client meetings in Paris, and just I just have to go to Paris for a couple of days. Places in Greece, the coast of Spain. Very good. Yeah, that sounds relaxing. Just going to a new place, experience a new new culture yep. and new yep. food and yeah. have a wander sit down eat some delicious food yeah yeah sounds like life is good life is great awesome life is great i'm spoiled my life is great all right let's uh yeah. let's move on to the pop quiz a quiz yes you got a quiz you got a um don't worry no studying uh needed this first one dovetails nicely with what we were just talking about okay you okay. got you got to pick one this first question you got to pick one london new york chicago or boston london all right work beverage coffee black black even wow you're hardcore with your coffee well after work beverage i'm gonna guess it's something that the pub serves whatever that is or um i'm very much like a red wine gal these days oh. okay m&ms plain or peanut Peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> Except they don't sell them here, so peanut. Sketchbook, hmm. blank or gridded? Dotted. The dotted grid, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Type or image? Type. All right, yeah. we're going to go way back because I know hmm. we didn't mention it, but I, I know you had some uh, records in a collection hmm. at one point. Maybe you still do. So vinyl records or streaming service? No vinyl. Sticking with music, favorite Boston band? Ooh, favorite Boston band. Dinosaur Jr. Dinosaur Jr. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Boston. it's Western Mass, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. Do you listen to music while you're working? If so, what is don't. it? No, you don't? No music? I literally just talk all day long or I listen all day long. Yeah. Just, that, yeah. That's a creative director role. You just talk yeah. or listen. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Last question. If you weren't a designer, what would you be? Okay, I aspire to either be a soul singer in the 60s. <laughs> I have none of the qualifications. Or Ali Sheedy from Short Circuit, which is to say I would take in all of the like broken uh, animals and take care of them. <laughs> probably something on those Final thoughts for aspiring designers. Maybe someday they want to reach creative director level. Your advice? Oh. My advice, don't be an asshole. <laughs> Short and sweet. I think that's excellent advice. Just be nice, be kind. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. Christy, it was great catching up with you. Oh, so, so fun. So fun to see you. We'll have to uh, make it more than uh, once a decade kind of thing. Definitely, you know? yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you guys should absolutely come over. Oh yeah, we're over. Head, headed to London. Stay. Yep. We're going to come over and see you for sure. Perfect. Um, it's great chatting. Thanks so much. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Mm -hmm. Say hi to Kelly and the kids. I will. Bye. Bye. But what do we learn from Christy? First, you will make mistakes during your design career. Learn from them. And when you become the creative director, be patient. And number two, take naps. Absolutely agree with that one. Thanks to Christy Melavindi of Jones Knowles Ritchie. 
If you have any comments or questions for me or any of my guests, please leave them in the comments and subscribe so you can catch the next episode of Design Futures. Until next time, go learn something. Your future depends on it. Thanks for listening. See ya.